Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. The opinions and statements expressed in the following program do not necessarily reflect those of WWDB, its staff, or management. Inspirational women are increasingly popular in the news and media, but many go unheard and their stories are never told. Women to Watch with Susan Rocco captures the stories of many women who truly make a difference. Women to Watch is the vehicle for developing new leaders, encouraging younger generations, and in building self-esteem for future entrepreneurs. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB Talk 860 and womentowatch.net. I want to give you our call-in number if you're listening to the show this afternoon and you would like to join us. Feel free to call 888-329-3306. That's 888-329-3306. We have a very special guest this afternoon, and uh, it's kind of an unusual interview for me. I'm uh, broadcasting from Ireland with Cecilia Ahern. She is author and the daughter of the former prime minister of Ireland. We are going to take a quick break for our sponsors, and we come back, we'll get right started. There are 365 days to schedule a mammogram. Today is as good as any. Holy Redeemer Breast Care makes it easy. We offer the latest technology like 3D mammography and automated breast ultrasound that help find cancers in dense breast tissue. Plus our same day readings mean same day peace of mind. Make today the day you schedule a mammogram. It's easy to request an appointment online at holyredeemer.com mammogram. Since 1858, Mount St. Joseph Academy has been educating girls to be leaders, founders, and independent thinkers. Students are taught to be collaborative, courageous, compassionate, confident, and spiritual. In this student-centered environment, the young women are transformed by recognizing their own potential and are encouraged to use it to make a difference in the world. To learn more about Mount St. Joseph Academy, go to www.msjacad.org or call 215-233-3177. That's msjacad.org or 215-233-3177. 
I'm Jocelyn Ewart, founding principal of Entrust Financial in Wayne, Pennsylvania, and it is my pleasure to share financial tips with you during my monthly segment on Women to Watch. I hope you are a regular listener like I am and that you are finding the personal finance tips I provide helpful. Some of the topics we have discussed so far this year are how to get organized, how to help your children learn good money habits, how to create that all-important travel budget, and what steps are needed as you prepare for retirement. Now I have truly exciting news for you, news you can share with your family and friends. As a veteran certified financial planner professional, I just published my first book, Balancing Act, Wealth Management Straight Talk for Women. It is filled with inspiring real case studies to help you and other women move past fear, build confidence, and make the right decisions without financial concerns. Just go to Amazon.com to purchase your copy. And please, write a review for Balancing Act Wealth Management Straight Talk for Women. I look forward to reading it. So, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch. Uh, This is a a very special um, episode for me because I'm sitting in the beautiful uh, offices of Cecilia Ahern in Malahide, Dublin, my first visit here. And we're going to be talking all about uh, Cecilia's career as a novelist and a TV and movie creator, producer perhaps, um, and also the daughter of the previous Prime Minister of Ireland, Bertie Ahern. So, Cecilia, thank you so much for thank letting me you. come visit you in Malahide. Oh, thank you for coming all the way. All the way. <laughs> it's a long way for an interview. You're very welcome. Yeah, I'm very excited to sit with you. And I, um, I was probably doing some research as I usually do day to day and came across your profile and, and saw uh, the work that you're doing and the success that you've had as a writer and thought it would be a wonderful opportunity for me to come and learn a little bit about uh, a little bit more about women in Ireland and help to promote your most recent book uh, which is called Flawed. That's right. Yes. Um, but we're going to start, as we always do, we start at the very beginning yeah. uh, in my interviews. And I understand that you... Uh, actually, were you born and raised in Dublin? Yes, in this yes. little village that we're in. I'm born and raised. I haven't moved very far at all. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about the, the village itself. It does seem very tiny. What are some of the highlights of Malahide? It's, um, so it's a seaside town. It's a suburban town, and it's yeah. about 30 minutes from Dublin city. So it's... I think you get the best of both worlds. You you get kind of the the beautiful sea, um, the relaxation and the peace of the sea, and that lovely little quiet village. But then you're also not far from the city, so yeah. it, it's the best of both worlds. I, think. I guess most people travel from here into Dublin then for work. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. There's not much. There's yeah. no industry here. Or well, people. Well, yes. Mainly people are in the city. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So tell me, you know, as a as a daughter of a politician, I'll yeah. say. Um, that must have been different than, than yeah. some of your yeah. um, friends and in, in their growing up experience. I guess I would want to know, um, did you, growing up, did you see your father's position and his role and some of the things that he went through as something that perhaps you would be interested later in life? Or was it more of, that's not something I ever want to pursue? Oh, I think I always knew that I would never want to be a politician. Yeah. Um, I think being a politician is is like a calling. You know, I think you either have it in you to be that person um, or not. You know, and I certainly didn't have it in me. It's a very hard life. You know, very difficult life. And um, 
my dad was and is an absolute workaholic and, and you know, poured his whole life into working. And you don't always get huge amount of thanks for it. You know, you That's cannot right. please everybody and sometimes you please nobody. Yeah. So um, I could see that. But I, and I think it's definitely a passion. We're similar in a way. You know, we, we both, my dad and me, are, have followed our passions. Mm-hmm. So we throw ourselves into it um, and give it 100%. But um, I think in very, like, he deals with reality and I deal with fiction. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah, so right. it's quite different. Yeah. But um, I was always in awe of everything he did, but I, I never, ever could have felt that I, it would be something that I would be able to do um, because he was always working and my parents were separated we would go away with him every Sunday so Sundays were our dad day is that right so okay. um, he would and he was always working so yeah. we would go on events all around the country if he was opening this or making a speech at that or we didn't know where we were going to go we'd hop into the car on Sunday was morning exciting? it, were, it were, was yeah, yeah it was yeah. sometimes it was and sometimes not you yeah. know and sometimes yeah. you sometimes just, you didn't want to go I'm exactly sure. yeah. and sometimes um it was very, me and my sister were quite shy and so we would be thrown into a lot of situations where we would not know what on earth was going on, you know, yeah. we really didn't understand. Yeah. Uh, but it taught us a lot, we, we got to see so much of you know, other people's lives and, and the world from their own eyes mm-hmm. um, and that's really important I think to take children out of their bubble, yes, you know, that yes. they live in. So, so we, we learned an awful lot. Um, and we went with him, you know, we'd spend days sitting in the, <laughs> sitting in the office. It sounds terrible, Dad brought, brought the kids to the office, but really we loved it. I messed with the phones and the computers. And, <laughs> there was something know, to play with. It was always something to do. It was, uh, it was very interesting. I definitely got to see it, see exactly the kind of life that he had. Now, was there in the United States, as you, I'm sure you're aware, um, any, you know, politicians, uh, families can often be under scrutiny and, and be yeah. in the public eye. Is that the same as here in Ireland? Or yes, it yeah, is? definitely. Um, so he was always, he was in politics all my life and, and quite high up in politics all my life. So even from the age of five, um, you know, obviously they're kind of your first, they're my first memories really. I always remember people just looking yeah. at him and us, mostly at him. A lot of the time, you know, and you would hear the things that people would say as well. You know, when he would walk by and some people wouldn't know that you're with him. So you oh, kind of hear oh, the, yes, the things. Yes, yes. And it, so it's funny. So in a way, you're part of the people being looked at. And then you're, you're on the outside of it as well. And you're, you're hearing what other people are saying, not to your face. So um, it's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it's an interesting way to live life. Um, so, yeah, he was always very high in politics. And... Um, I suppose, you know, the boring answer is you just get used to it. That, yeah, that is you life. Yeah, right. It is what it is. It is what it, it is. is what and, it is. Um, I think, if anything, it taught me and my sister to be a lot more careful. We were a lot more guarded. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, probably still, um, I know I'm a lot, I let lose a lot more than I would have when I was younger, but very careful of the people that I let into my life. And I, I think that's probably come from that. Yes. Which is no bad thing, really. Yeah. You know, just make, I just kind of do screening. That's right. You have to be cautious, <laughs> yeah, but sometimes it. you don't yeah. want to be too guarded that yeah. you miss opportunities. That's it. Right. And, and it's interesting because as a fictional writer, I, I picture you as a young girl having an imagination. Mm-hmm. And using that, and did you, this is maybe an obvious question, use some of the encounters you had growing up, meeting new people and new cultures, uh, different parts of Ireland, in your storytelling? Yeah, not consciously, it's like, but yes, because I think everything that you write about, it, it's, you're absorbing the world around you yes. all the time, every day. Um, a lot of people ask me, Oh, do you listen to other people's conversations? Or do you go to cafes and listen? I remember Maeve Binchy used to say that she did that. She would 
break down other people's conversations and I think I'm the total opposite right. I, I really just I live in my head and I zone out everything around me and I'm kind of analysing I'm taking things from the life around me but I'm, I'm analysing them in my head so much that I'm in my own little world mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense because in a way I am absorbing the world around me but I'm not really I'm not listening to what people are right. saying I think I'm just it's taking very, it all taking in and then it, in. a story yeah. comes out so absorbing it, observing it, and then analysing it, and plucking things from different places, but never taking a moment that I witness and put that in a novel. I would never right. do that, or I would never take a person and say, oh, I'm going to write about them. It's really just about taking moments and feelings and tones and the look on someone's face or, um, or a phrase that someone says. It's, it's never taking the exact thing. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, it, it, I just keep thinking of the word um, imagination mm-hmm. because as kids growing up, we were pre-technology and we were go outside and play yes. and, and create and make yes, things yes. up. And so as a young girl, my, my girlfriends and I were always using our imagination and, and just creating stories. So if you had to, if there was one word that <laughs> describes what you do to come up with a story. When you say you live in your own head, mm-hmm. um, are you creating stories or do you think that you are, and maybe I'm asking the same question again, when you go out into life and, and you have conversations and you see certain things, and, and most of your stories are about relationships and people, mm-hmm. um, how do where, they come about? How do, yeah. Yes. How does it come about? It's, I mean, every novel is different. And so it, that's a very, it's always a very difficult question to answer. How do you get your idea? But I suppose if we were to point at each novel, I could say, well, that came from this. Um, you know, and this new idea I have for my new novel came from a phrase that someone said. And most of the time, everything goes over my head. <laughs> but sometimes things will just, if someone says something or I hear something, and I get really excited about it. It's like a, it is a light bulb moment because yeah. it just—it's like you it's know one of those aha, pin- we call that aha moment. That's it. Yeah. And it's like a pinball machine. Everything's going bing, 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 bing in my head, and yeah. the idea keeps growing and it grows legs, and then other characters develop, and it's a really amazing moment. So it doesn't happen all the time. It's just—it could be a phrase that I hear, as, as I yeah. said, or and then, then you yeah. think that can be a whole yeah. story, and it just yeah. grows and grows and grows, and sometimes, or or I want to research it more and uh, learn more about that. Um, so Flawed, which is my latest novel, for example, that is, a, that is based on the fact that, <laughs> that I, I believe that we live in a very judgmental society, mm-hmm. and one that's quick to point the finger at people and publicly shame. Um, and I was feeling so, power, so strong about that, and I think it was building and building, and I was tired of you know, reading news stories. Who are we shaming today? What person made some decision in their in their life that we are now deeming a mistake? You know, yes. how dare they? Right. They must as resolve. if we all, you know, have never exactly yeah. as if we have never made a mistake. And so that that story came from that, and that story then is about a society that doesn't tolerate imperfection. Mm-hmm. And if you make a mistake, moral or ethical, then you're branded with an F, and you must live as a second class citizen. So that just came from the from me thinking that's already what we're doing to each other. We're already labeling labeling each other. Um, and, and in a big way, publicly, yeah, because publicly. we can, right? Yeah. yeah. So and that's so that's how that developed. But then, if I could, you know, I have another novel called One Hundred Names, and that came about from half watching the MTV Awards, <laughs> which was, <laughs> which was on in the background, and this actress came on and said, "Here's the preview um, trailer of my new movie," and I thought she said One Hundred Names, and I thought. 
oh, and then, you know, that, that moment, bam, I loved it. it. I loved the title, it did so much to me. I started thinking about what could that be about? So I started creating my own ideas in my head. And then when I paid attention to the trailer, it was called The Hunger Games and I had completely misheard. Oh. <laughs> so what an unusual way to get an idea. Yes. So yes. I misheard a title and I had my own title and I had my own idea. Yeah. So that was it. You know, it'll come to me in all different ways. Yeah. Do you ever have um, a philosophy or a belief or something at, when you begin to write a book and then when you've gone through the whole process and you've gotten to the end of the story that you learn something new? that changes your thinking about that? That's a good question. Um, I think, well, when I start to write, I always know my ending, and I always know, no, I kind of always know what my, what, what the feeling is of it, and what my message is. I know you should, I don't, people disagree that you should write a novel with a message, but it, it always, I think it's my voice. Mm -hmm. It's not so much a message. Um, and that, it doesn't really change, no. No, <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> it's because, it, yeah, yeah, I think that's kind of the reason why I'm writing it. I'm trying to get out how I feel. Mm -hmm. um, I think I learn a lot with every novel, whether it's just through researching the subject or, or examining. If I was in that situation, what, like, it's that what if, imagine if scenario that I think every author has when they're writing a novel, that they think about when they're writing a novel. What if this happened and what if that happened? And when you're doing that, you're constantly learning. Yes. Because if I was to put myself in that character's situation, how do I think I would feel? Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like method acting in a way. Yeah, you know? right, right. Can you talk about what the aha moment was for the book that you're writing now? Tell me the title again. Um, so Liarbird is, Liar is my new book. Um, yeah. Actually that, I was referring to, is about the book I haven't even started to write yet, so oh, I'm oh, not okay. going to mention that one. Okay. Um, but Liarbird is the new novel, and that was, yeah, that moment was when um, I was sitting with my daughter in the car, waiting for her gymnastics class to start, and I, I don't know what our conversation was about, but then I told her, there is a bird called a Liarbird, and that... Um, mimics the sounds of all humans and everything around it. It mimics birds, humans. And so I showed it to her on, on my phone, went to YouTube, and there was David Attenborough, brilliant David Attenborough, who was showing a clip of his new show. And it's this fantastic little bird who has the ability to mimic every little sound around it. Um, this is a real bird. A real bird. Oh, so it, yeah, so it's an Australian bird that lives in um, a national forest. Like, very shy bird, it's rarely seen. And it, um, it mimics like drills, like camera shutters of the people who were filming him. Um, all birds. Like a parrot. I mean, it's like parrots, a parrot, but, but kind of human sounds, machines. It was mimicking car alarms. Wow. Uh, it was fascinating. And so she was so amazed by it that the two of us started trying to mimic the sounds. You know, let's try and make the sound of a car alarm. <laughs> and then I had that bing moment, that aha, aha moment. Right. Where I thought, what if there was a person who had the ability, who had lyrebird qualities? And so the challenge for me was to write a novel where I learned all about this bird and gave a human, a woman, a lyrebird characteristics. Oh, I love that. So yeah, yeah. I love that. And and it's all a lot of it is about um, how in touch with nature and the world she is. If she's living in the mountains, very elusive, shy character, but so rooted with the earth that she's able to mimic everything around her and that's how she communicates in mm -hmm. a way um, and you know does that thing that a lot of people don't do is that she reflects and mm. stops and yeah. it's a calm life right. so um, yeah I really enjoyed writing about that because we're moving away so much from that yes absolutely and you know one of the questions I had for you when I think of writers um, obviously that's something you do 
alone by yourself mm -hmm. in quiet. Um, I, I wonder if there's a commonality amongst writers that they have that desire or need to be alone in their work as opposed to interacting with mm. people on a regular basis where there's energies that kind of distract you from what you're doing, right? Totally love what you're saying. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And particularly as I'm, I've just written Liar Birds and I'm kind of talking about it more now, that is absolutely... Um, you learn more about yourself, as you said. Yeah. So yeah. I, I love working alone. When some people say, is that not boring being on your own all day writing? I love it. You love it? <laughs> I love yeah. it. Being, you know, I'm an introvert, I suppose, and I, I, I absolutely Which adore. you do not appear to be at all well, from the minute I met you. <laughs> really, you just exude this wonderful But you positive. can be sociable. You know, yeah, I guess so. Yes. Thing about being yes. an introvert. Not necessarily shy, but just re really like reflection and being alone mm -hmm. and, and actually need that. Yeah. Um, and then when you go out in the road, then promoting, it is, I do find it draining to be around people so much. Not that I don't like it, but I find it draining yes. because I have to give so much yes. of myself. And yeah. also I think if you're a person who can empathize easily with other people, you can take on a lot of that energy. Right. Yeah. So um, yeah, I do find that when I go back here, mm -hmm. I walk into this office, I close the door and I say, hello room. <laughs> <laughs> hello friend. <laughs> So, um, and then everything, you know, yeah. I just root myself, I suppose, yeah. I ground myself again. No, I love that. I, I, I understand that because mm. it is true. I think it's very insightful of you to recognize that and know <laughs> I, that, I know right? Because I think of some people yeah. um, perhaps have that same need, but they don't, don't really understand yeah. the energy of others. And so they're in a, they're kind of stuck in a place yeah. that doesn't feel good to them. But And then it's very easy. It's difficult for people who can't get away if you're in a job. I mean, I'm able to step away and kind of focus my energies on myself and reflect and, and write novels. Yeah. Um, but if you're in a big office environment, I know it's very, very difficult to to also because the extrovert is kind of the celebrated person at the moment you know it's better to shout your ideas out really loud at, at give that your meeting opinions. give your opinions um, <clears throat> and it doesn't really favour the quieter more introspective person so yeah, yeah it is, that is a struggle for people yeah. you know one of the things we talk about on the show a lot is, is the power of um, self-awareness mm. especially for women and I think it's probably the number one Thing any man or woman uh, needs to be successful because the more self-aware you are, the better choices you will make. You know, mm. you'll follow the path you're meant to. Um, talk to me a little bit about that, how you feel, uh, and do you consciously make a decision to reflect? Um, I know you're reflecting for your work mm. and, you know, in your writings, but um, for your own personal development. Have you done that? And, and what is your uh, view on, on why that's important for women in particular? I, can, I do agree with that completely. And I, I always used to say, um, know yourself. You know, mm -hmm. if ever um, people were moving, you know, people moving in all kinds of different directions and it's, there was no kind of, it wasn't grounded or rooted or there was no straight line. <laughs> I don't yeah. know how to explain it. Yeah. But I always say to my friends, know yourself, just you know, why, why are you going in lots of different directions? Yeah. Just focus. Um, that's, that's a huge part um, of me. I absolutely have to ground myself. And I'm, I'm kind of stubborn in a way where I will only take on things where I know it's me. 
So this makes sense. No, but it the only be, things that, that, yeah, are, that feel are true to you? Yeah, that feel true to me. Yeah, yeah I can't lie to myself. And I know I like to challenge myself. That's different. But um, yeah, it has to be true to me. Did you do that when you were younger, though? I yeah, think we, we, get, we get better at that mm, the older we get. I think that... Um, well, I, when I was younger, I used to spend, I was a very social girl, and, I, and also growing up as a teenager, I was a performer, so I did singing and dancing, um, I did a lot of shows, I was on stage performing, but I was kind of an introverted performer, so I wasn't like all the other ones who were going out jazz hands, like, I always had jazz hands, yeah, well, yeah. I was doing the jazz hands too, yeah. but I was always nervous before, and, and not like them, so um, I, w- I was always very reflective, and... Yeah. Um, and analysing things in my head. That definitely became bigger at 14 and I started writing more at that age. Um, at 19, I started getting suffering very badly with anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a huge, huge turning point in my life because I started to... The performer inside me left and then this person was just this very lost person. But I remember being told that... Um, Something out of 10 people suffer from anxiety or from panic attacks. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting on a bus or wherever I was in a crowded room going, who are the people? Because I cannot see. <laughs> Nobody is feeling what no, I'm feeling. everyone looks which is fine. Not true. Which yeah. is not true. But right. that taught me a lot. And what I started to do then was start, I started looking at people and thinking, what is going on inside their heads that we cannot see? What is their mm. issue? What, what, because I wanted to know, because there was so much going on inside of me. Were um, you sharing that with anyone that no one loved you? Well, no. yes, my family knew, because okay. it, it was really, I literally could not leave my house at some stage. Oh, I got very, very bad. Yeah. Um, but, but what did I do? I retreated, and I decided to write P.S. I Love You. And that was, I was going through that period of my life where I was um, just trying to rebuild myself and trying to understand myself, and that was a big time of reflection. And look what came out of it. Yes. <laughs> Yes. So um, I really poured my heart and soul into that novel, going on a very similar journey to the character. It was that's a book about grief, um, about losing a character who loses her husband, and he leaves ten letters for her, you know, one a month to open, um, and she has to carry out whatever message he has wow. kind of set up for her. Yeah. Um, and in a way, I was writing. She'd lost her identity. She'd lost a sense of herself. That was very much what I was going through. I mean, she wasn't me. It wasn't my character. But th- the journey was the same. And so this is a very long answer to your question, but this no, was my fu- this was my reflective time where I think I started to understand myself a huge amount more, and when, when the the writing became my savior in a way. Yeah. So when you when you discovered that that writing really was your calling, yeah. Did the anxieties subside? Um. Well, it was interesting because I thought, well, this is great. I can lock myself away from the world. <laughs> no one will know. No one will know. <laughs> I, I mean, I'll just write this novel, this story, and. And then I got a, my mom said to me, she was so encouraging and who hadn't seen me so happy or not even that happy, but so kind of fulfilled, you know. Yeah. In, in and what time. age was this? I'm sorry. I was 21. At 21. Yeah. Okay. And I just finished college and, yeah. um, yeah, but I had been, so, like I'd been anxious for a few years. I was quite bad then. Yeah. And, uh, so my mom said, why don't you show this to somebody in the industry and oh. see if you just look for some advice. Because she wanted, you know, to motivate me. Right. She could see that I was doing something I enjoyed, but she really wanted to help move me on. And I thought, oh, God. Okay. So I found an agent who's Marianne Gunn O'Connor. And I'd sent three chapters. And she got back to me and said, I want to see more. Oh. And then, so it was chapter after chapter. And um, after 10 chapters, she agreed to represent me. 
um, said that she was going to send. That was a quick turnaround, that, yeah. right? Don't, yeah. don't people normally or often send off lots and lots of yes. manuscripts and writings? And, and then she said also that she had, uh, she knew who I was and um, decided that it was going to be terrible. <laughs> um, so she sat on it for about two weeks. She couldn't bring herself to read it. Oh, she was really? like, I'm going to have to give a rejection to uh, oh, Prime Minister's God. daughter. <laughs> so oh, you know, people no. always think it works the opposite way. But, uh, right, right. So um, eventually she agreed to represent me and I got my first book deal within months. So I was going from... And the first thing I had to do, of course, was go on television and go on radio and do right. all the things all of that, that I was trying to hide from. Yes. So... You have to face your fears. You do. You, <laughs> you do. can't run. You can't run away from them. But that was such a big time of my life because it. Sorry, you asked me. Did it get rid of the anxieties? It, kind of what happened made me have to deal with it. You know, I had to start traveling the world, and yeah. I had a career, and I had responsibilities, and that definitely helped me to deal with it. Well, it probably taught you. I can do this. Yes, exactly. Right? Yeah. Did you have a, what was your coping mechanism? In other words, if you started to, I think we all have um, yeah. tapes in our head that play or, or things that we say to ourselves that really help us to relax in those moments of just, and, and anxiety is different from from nervousness, I would yeah. say, right? Well, or they worry. Were, they were panic attacks. Yes. They were actual physical, you know, um, but then the panic, I think people listening if they know if they've ever had a panic attack I think I probably had very few but what I was afraid of was of having another yes. so the anxiety then about having a panic attack becomes larger than the panic Cyclical. attack itself yeah so it's you know constant um so what did I I, I, I did a lot to try and I, I went to various different people therapists yeah. hypnotists and breathing, I think, is the thing that I need to, needed to learn how yeah, to do. Yeah, yeah. Cures a lot of... Yes, skills. breathing is very important. Very important. important thing we don't... We, do we don't take do it. Right. We don't hold it properly. No, we don't breathe properly. And so I would find myself holding my breath. No wonder I was getting old. Right. Um, so that, and just telling... And I, I'm still... I'm, I'm so far from where I was. Yeah. But still, why am I worried? I've done this a million times. Right. Maybe it's human nature oh, and we will yeah. forever, right? And, and we should allow ourselves as to. Well. You know, yes. I think the day that I go somewhere and won't be nervous will be the day that, you know, maybe I shouldn't say that, but, you know, yeah. it means that I care. I want yes. to deliver. I want, right. no, I don't want to let people down. I want to do be a good able, job. yeah, I want to do a good job. Yeah. So, I, you know, in a way, ner- as people say, nerves help you, whereas athletes always say nerves are good because That's right. they help. So they're the things I tell myself. Yeah, very good. I'm freaking out. Yes, right. Well, it's good for the, you know, um, people who are listening and men and women, again, I, you know, there's not um, a, a rule that says only women suffer from anxiety. Oh, men no. do too. Yeah. Um, but it's always just nice to know that there's people all around us feeling those same things. Yes. And you're right. It is a good, um, I had a woman on the show that said, if you're not afraid you know, your ego's too big. <laughs> you yeah. should have a little bit of fear and nervousness because you want to do a good job. That's it. In whatever moment. And somebody told me to also tell people that you're nervous. That's okay because I yes. think before you, you tried oh, to, yes. I tried to cover it up like being nervous is a bad thing. Yeah. No, um, but it's, it's okay. Normal. So I would find myself going in and saying, I'm actually quite nervous. And, and it would be, and it would the big secrets out. You yes. Know? Yes. It would make you feel better. Yeah. Well, that's so, what this show is yeah. all about. Real, you know, t- yeah. telling the truth and and realizing that the, those things that shape us, those things that are hard, the personal mm. challenges, are really what um, help to build our our resilience and our you know um, the ability to move through the tough times because they'll always be there. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I'm I really do think that because the simple things were very difficult for me. Even the big, the big things were as difficult. <laughs> so it made me. I pushed myself so much 
um, because you know achieving more was um, I don't know going out and doing those tough things, traveling to this country and doing that event or this that the other. Yeah. And did you do it, it alone or did you bring? Um, well, my so my mom would travel with me the first year and, and my boyfriend as well, who's now my husband. I had people now on my own. Now nobody cares anymore. <laughs> Like, a big we're so tired of her and her issues <laughs> <laughs> she can do it on her own um, but yeah at the beginning so I, I was you know I, I was young I suppose at 21 you know you're still young yeah, I should yeah. mention um, I so, just want to you know give a quick update to, to the people listening that I am sitting down with Cecilia Ahern um, novelist uh, television and movie creator from Dublin Ireland and um, you happen to be a mother you have two children, Robin and Sunny, which I love those names. <laughs> Tell me what kind of mother you are. You know, what is your philosophy as a parent? Are you one to let the kids explore and, and you know, kind of find their way? Or do you find, you know, that you're a little bit uh, more strict and oh, trying to guide them? Both. I mean, right. I, I'm very lucky with my parents that I, they allowed me to... So they were very encouraging. You know, if I had passions like writing or like singing, dancing, they would encourage that and, and of course, you know, let me do things that I, I admire them so much for. So I tried to do that with my children, oh, but my parents were very strict as well, so mm. school was more important than anything. Is that right, um, education? Yeah, yeah, education, very important, but also but your passions are as well. So I think I'm both. I think I am a very playful mother. I am a down on my hands and knees on the floor kind of mother doing stupid voices and characters and, and um, imagination is probably how I teach a lot of things to them is by creating, by telling stories or by, you know, doing the voice of a tree or a flower, to, you know, <laughs> all kind of, it's a lot of fun and a lot of playing. Yeah. But then I'm also quite, I notice that I'm, I'm more strict than other moms who let, you know, even at the school today, you know, kids climbing gates and walls and I'm like, no, stay there. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I do see myself as being strict Protective. in that way. Yes, yeah. 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 Um, and I'm not wanting them to be absolute messers, but then also being... I suppose creative and imaginative and free for them to follow whatever it is that they're. I mean, they're six and four, so they're six and four. But yeah. um, I and I and encourage them to be different as well. I like them to be well to be themselves actually, um, because I think, you know, I would hate. I think that's a really important thing. If yes. you can be yourself, mm -hmm. then you're immediately unique and different because yeah. so much everybody. Everybody now is trying to be the same. Yeah, right. So I really encourage. Now that's, I think that's probably one of the most important lessons because finding your originality mm. is really the key to um, happiness and, yeah. and just contentness. And the earlier we teach them, the better. Absolutely. And I think when you're younger, the things that make you different can be a curse. Yes. in your own opinion but then when you're older those things that make you different are such a gift yeah um they're such a blessing so I want my children to embrace you know all the things that they are now yeah I mean we had a Roald Dahl day it was his anniversary um this week so everyone had to dress up as their favorite Roald Dahl character from a book and um so all the girls were Matilda <laughs> of course um, and my daughter was George um, uh, Marvelous Medicine so um, uh, you know she I already she's not afraid she goes I don't, I don't want to be a princess and I don't want to be oh, a oh I love that yeah so that's very much where I come from yeah <laughs> tell me when you think about her and having a daughter um, today's world is very different for women and young girls we have an abundance of organizations um, and mentors and um, resources to kind of help girls believe mm -hmm. that they can do and be whatever they want, right? It's amazing. It is and amazing. And it's so much growing. I mean, I was at the it cinema is. the other day and there was an ad, I can't remember what the ad was for, um, but it was about encouraging 
children to be to be leaders and to be um, girls in sport actually it's not yes. just a boy can do it a girl can do it too and I was so moved I started crying at the really? uh, cinema and my yeah. husband just looked at me I thought there was nothing like that when I I don't remember there being anything like that when I was younger um, just that feeling I have of it just makes me feel so proud. Of, it? I just yes. I was looking at my daughter and I was willing her to look here. Yeah, you, you could be worth, president. You could oh, be prime minister, be right? Yeah. Not that I ever felt held back as a, as a child, but it's just brilliant. I mean, they should be for boys as well. Actually, mm-hmm. not just that's the only thing I would say is that yeah. little boys should be seeing all that too. They should. Um, but I, yes, oh, that's another conversation. But um, yes, that's. I can't remember what you asked me, but yes, I do. Find well, I, so but I, was, I didn't ask the question. You know, I was kind of laying it out there, but I, I'm curious to know if the same kind of a movement or feeling or the sense of the support for young girls and women is here in Ireland yes. as much as it is. I, I believe so. Yes, absolutely. Um, and if there, you know, if there is in my house anyway. <laughs> yeah, good, good. Yeah. And it's a generational thing, I think. Yeah. Clearly, your generation um, and mine has a different um, awareness of it than the generations mm. prior. And it was interesting, as my family and I were traveling around Ireland, I got to see a very, very old-fashioned, the way it was 100 years ago, mm. um, life. And then as we worked our way to Dublin, you know, you could see it changing. <laughs> yeah. Um, what is your hope, I guess, what is your hope for your daughter when it comes to that? What would you like to see her beside, you know, you want her to find her originality and be who she is? Yeah, and I, but I think there's a lot of, with all of this confidence that women are giving themselves, we are kind of the generation of the women who, who, who have been given the opportunity to do it all, you know, to have mm. the job. And, and that's a lot of pressure. That's right. And yes. it's, not, it's not easy, actually. And it's okay to say that you can't have it all. It's, it's probably really not a very supportive right? thing to yes. say. Yes. But, um, it, but I think we're, we're learning that for ourselves. Um, so, you know, I don't want her to push yourself so much that it becomes um, I have to be everything that I can be, <laughs> you know, just be happy That's just right. do the things right. that make you happy, um you don't have to be the best at everything. And that's, right. you know, that's a lovely, encouraging message to give people. Yes. But um, don't always try to be the best. You know, yeah. just, just be yourself. Yeah, that striving yeah. for perfection is no, that's, awful. Yeah, and yeah. I think sometimes when there's so much... Uh, I don't mean to, to take a positive and turn it into a negative, but I just think there's a lot of pressure um, on, on girls to be perfect and to be all that you can be. And, you know, and, <laughs> yes, um, yes. and in a way, that's hard, you know? Yeah. It's okay to fall down a few times. And, it is, it is. So th- that's the kind of mommy I'll be, yeah, you know, to, or that yeah. I am. You know, be the best that you can be, do the things that make you happy. Mm-hmm. But no perfection. Don't stress yourself about yeah. it. No. And I say that I'm a perfectionist because I just don't want her to be me. Yeah, yeah, well, I think we do. We were all so Someone once yeah. said you can have it all but not all at once. That's true. And I yeah. like that yeah, because... Yeah, very true. Yeah, try to... to achieve the things you want but you can't be all and have all that's the that's a better time. way of phrasing it yeah that's yeah. very good i'll steal that from you <laughs> <laughs> um tell me what you're um you're, you're writing an, another book right now do you have aspirations or any intentions to get back into television 
Well, I still, still am. Yes, I. Well, Flawed was optioned by Warner Brothers. Oh, uh, great. Yeah, which is great. And went yeah. to Feynman Productions. And wow. they're the same team behind the P.S. I Love You movie. Okay. Uh, which is fantastic because I've known them for over 10 years now and there's a great relationship there. Good. Um, they're writing the script at the moment. So hope it's moving. So it's moving. Things are happening. Wow. Um, so it's always hard with movies. It takes a long time. Yeah. And uh, I, I still am working in TV. I've had uh, a couple of things since Samantha Who. And I work with ZDF, which is a German network, and they, um, I create original TV shows for them, and so they film in Ireland, um, which is fantastic. It's it's basically a Sunday night primetime slot, so it's a 90-minute TV movie, and they film it here two a year. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, it's great. And so I'm always, I was so lucky with Samantha Who, it's a massive... I mean, that I got that far on my first attempt. Right. <laughs> well, that, I know it's such a young age, yeah. so the potential is there for so much so more. So I'm constantly developing, you know, um, always creating new ideas, always pitching new ideas, always sending in new outlines, and some get to pilot stage and some don't. And yeah, some, you know, it, I keep trying. It, I always try. and uh, But, I, you know, it's... it's um, I have so many different ideas. Some I know that are novel. I know that I want to read the story. I want to write the story. Um, some, I think, need to be seen. Um, and so it, there's a difference, you know. Some yeah. might think it's just a short story. So I have so many very different ideas that they that need to be told differently. I think I know this answer, but I'm going to ask you: Would you ever want to be in one of the, the movies? No, because I think you should. <laughs> no. Now the listeners can't see that, you. I'm sitting across from you. No, you have, you have you're very animated, and, oh, and that's the me, old me. You know, yeah. when I think when I was younger, I did that whole singing, dancing. Yeah, tell me. Thing. I wanted to go back to yeah. that. You did. You you did perform at one I time. Did. You were in a pop band. Oh, I know. Yes. It's terrible. Like YouTube is just. Terrible. <laughs> My whole history is on it. Um, what were those years like? I just adored it. I loved okay. singing. I started as a child, and I was doing, you know, jazz and tap and hip hop. Um, I was I was in competition groups, you know, where we would be in hip hop groups where we were competing against each other, and then I was teaching children um, dance classes, and um, it just developed into doing musicals and shows. Um, a singing in a pop band. <laughs> That's um, every girl's dream. That was well, my dream yeah, at one time. <laughs> but you have to have the ability. Exactly. <laughs> and we were not uh, very good together. So, uh, And we were quickly dropped by a record company, which is probably the best thing that they could have done for us. Oh, my gosh. And so, yeah, I had it. But you but you attempted it. You, I mean, that's a, yeah. that takes a lot of guts. Well, that's what I say about my parents. They, even though, I, and a lot of these things were happening when I was in school and important years in school, and they let me do it, which is... I mean, I don't know if... I, I'm not going to say it so they, don't, they hear me, but I, yeah. <laughs> I just, it's amazing that they let me do it because yeah. they said they could see the passion that I had for it and they wanted me to, you know, go for my dreams. And that's yeah. a brilliant thing that any parent can do for it their is. child. So um, I had that opportunity and I can say that I gave it all of my energies yeah. and, um, and, and then turned to writing. <laughs> and then turned to writing, yes. Yeah, which I was doing secretly, quietly anyway, but yeah. just never telling anybody about it. Yeah. So I, I found the right place. <laughs> Good. But I did have a cameo in uh, Love, Rosie, which is my second movie. Oh, you did? It was the director's idea. and um, Was that filmed in the United States? That was filmed in, I actually know Canada for some of it, and Ireland. Oh, okay. Yes, we had a German director set in, in the UK, filmed in Ireland and Toronto. Mm. <laughs> it was very wow. big and written yeah. by an Irish book written by an English writer um, with Lily Collins, who is yes. an American actress, yes, yes. putting on an English accent. <laughs> so <laughs> it, was, it was brilliant. I loved that movie and Sam Claflin as well. Yeah. And uh, so the director says, we'll put you 
I'm going to give you a cameo role. His idea, not yeah, mine at I all. I love it. And as I said, I'm not in front of the camera person. I was really terrified. And my husband is a trained actor, so he was so cool. And he was my date. We were to sit at the wedding scene at a table. And you know, <laughs> it was just horrific. I um, had to, you know, greet the wedding guests. And I had to greet two characters that I had created. And they were in character. Oh, well, yeah, that's so that a little tricky. So bizarre. Yeah, and right. she wasn't a very nice character either. So oh. she was cold with me. And I was thinking, I made her this way. And that's <laughs> very unusual. So, um, no, I sat down. And I, as the camera was <laughs> zooming in on me, I could feel my nostrils. And I just... <laughs> trembling and I was getting twitches all over my face I'm, I'm oh. definitely not going to be to be in actress. front of the camera not anymore oh but and they cut me they cut me from the movie the director said he goes every time we got to that part in the test audiences were, were saying they're seeing it and he said it was it was in the middle of a moving speech it was a big moment he goes I shouldn't have put you in that scene <laughs> That's very polite. I think it was the twitchy nostril that got me out. <laughs> they must have zoomed in to find oh, that. Oh, gosh. Yes. You know, one of the things that has been at the top of the news in, in the United States and probably around the world in the film industry is this um, women fighting for equal pay and equal mm. parts and gender equality in film. What, is, what are your views on that? And, and I guess... What are some of the things you would like to see change and, and be better for women in film? Well, and I suppose, I mean, I can't say anything other than I fully support it because I think right. um, it's absolutely right that, it, that women should be given more roles um, and that they're not seen as kind of uh, a genre, you know, like it's yeah. a women's movie or... Yeah. Um, and I think, but it's very difficult. So, so many women are so hugely supported and then... There are obviously more roles for men, for men, and yeah. I think there's it is a, right. It there's is. a small percent, I guess, yeah. that always get some of the roles. Exactly. Right. Um, because I want to see it as a woman. I want to see it, and I think men need to see more women um, and fully formed, amazing characters, not women who are just there to cause the problem <laughs> in right. a story, right. Right. but um, who are part of the solution. Yeah. So uh, yeah, no, I, I completely am behind that 100. percent I can't. Yeah. But and I suppose for me, it's not something that I really talk about because I always think instead of going up and ranting about things you just have to make changes yourself mm-hmm. um, and I do so I, most of my novels are you know about women um, the main characters are mostly women and in my movies and in my TV shows they're women as well so and you're strong I think that's to be honest I'm not, I'm not an activist and I'm not someone who, who's good as you just heard at speaking out about <laughs> it but, but what I try to do is put it into my work you know, yeah. create strong women, real women, right. um, women that I want to know about and learn about, and that's the, that's all that I can do. That's kind of my side. Yes. Um, yes. That's my contribution to it. Yeah. No, I think that's a great. You know, don't don't worry about what's happening over here. Just forge your own yeah. path. Yeah. Go out and do it. And I because I think there's a lot of talk in the world, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and a lot of, of noise. Is, there's a lot of noise, and and that's good for awareness and it's good for the conversation but I, I think the doing is really really important as well. Yeah I agree and I think that's what's happening now that yeah. women are you know there was a big uh, feminist movement in the 70s mm-hmm. you know where where women were stepping out and saying we can do the same thing yeah. and today there's less uh, I believe what, what, what I've seen from doing this show for four years is that women are just forging their own path and, yeah. and starting their own businesses and, yeah, that's, you that's, know, creating things um, without worrying about the barriers. 
That's true, yeah. Yeah, that are different. Tell me what, um, this is a loaded question, but I, I always like to ask it. Well, it's a great start. What keeps you up at night? What, you know, oh. we live in a world where we are aware of everything that's going on mm. all day long, globally. What are, what are some of your greatest fears? Oh my goodness, I don't know if we have enough time. <laughs> This is like a whole other hour. Well, maybe we'll, we'll break it down, you know, day to day, some of the things that are um, that are challenging for you. And it could be just that, you know, there's days where you can't think of a sentence to write <laughs> yeah. and that's challenging. Yeah, or for things. me, I think the big thing, I'm very lucky in my writing is that I have not experienced any major writer's block. I'm very, I have, I'm touching what is yes. it saying this. Right. Um, I have a lot of ideas and they seem to flow once I get into it because it's like my beautiful magical place where I let myself go so mm-hmm. I'm I'm happy to sit down and write um, I love being a mother love it love it love it love my children I think what keep what concerns me the most is trying to do those two things at the same time yes and that's that's yeah. a hard thing yeah. you know with and not actually necessarily with the going to the office and writing because that's fine it's you know the traveling promoting yes and having to be away so that's currently with my little my yeah. little dots yeah that's yeah. that's the big problem for me but also <laughs> the bigger scarier issues in the world which is um what countries am i flying to will i be safe um mm. and all of those concerns yeah, yeah. You, we, we can't you know not have those in the back yeah. of our mind as much as we say no matter what's going you, you can't stop from living you have yeah. to go out but you have to be alert and I of alert. course have a horrible mind that uh, goes way too much into what if what if what if what if oh what do if? you so yeah. I imagine all these things before they even happen but my mom is fantastic because I ring her up and say I have to go here oh. and she'll say <laughs> can we be stopped <laughs> could you write me a note <laughs> Please tell them I can't go. I'm a sick note. Yeah. Um, and she says you cannot let other people stop you from living your life. And if yeah. they ever do, then they've won. And that is the, that's that is what keeps me true. going. It's like, that, yeah, yes, yeah, it's what keeps every country going that has had yeah. something horrific happen um, to keep forging forward. Do you do you like traveling alone, or do you prefer to go with? I know I, I don't like traveling alone. I like to have a friend or my husband or my kid or, you know. I am fine. I'm fine on my own because I, I, at this stage I've reduced it to get in really quickly and get out yeah. and get home. <laughs> and you can go uh, quicker if you're yeah, by yourself, right? I do. I yeah. kind of, um, it's terrible really, but it, it, you just learn how to um, do a huge amount more work in shorter amount of time. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm fine on my own. Yeah. Tell me... Um, just to kind of wrap things up, you know, I don't want to keep you much longer, but I'd love to, to hear your advice to women who perhaps are listening and they haven't been able to um, take that step towards what it is they're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Um, First, I will say my, my advice for budding writers, because this is, I know this is for all women, but it kind of applies to everybody. Um, I always say to find your voice, because if you're to read a novel that you really adore. It's the voice of the author that you fall in love with, how they've told the story. And I think times people, when they're writing themselves, then try to replicate. Um, if you can f- write how you think and write how you feel, then you're immediately different. You're immediately unique. No one thinks like you. No one can write like you. That's different. Yeah. And I think the same then applies for everybody else. Yes. If you can, again, as we said earlier, know yourself, find your voice and be yourself. Um, then that is, that's all the focus you need. That's all the, 
the motivation you need because if you understand yourself and know yourself and and you're brave and fearless yeah um, then you can achieve whatever you want to achieve yeah do you know are you familiar with Brene Brown I'm sure no. Oh, should I be? You should. <laughs> Google her earlier in the show, Brene Brown. She's wonderful writer, speaker, and just extremely insightful about being brave. Yeah. Um, and I think I think the difficulty today when we, we all hear the um, the advice to find yourself, know. you know, but but there's so much noise we can't get there. Mm. So you, it's it's important I think to be quiet, find a quiet place to really reflect. Yeah, I think. But how do you, you know? I've always listened to myself. I, I, all I can say is that there's always a voice. It's that little voice in inside you mm-hmm. that um, that you can hear that you don't necessarily share with anybody else. My friends read my work and say that does not sound like you. You don't speak like that. It doesn't. But that's the way my little voice in my head speaks. So I think that's obviously instinct or that's your gut or your heart or whatever that yeah. is. Um, yeah, when you drown out, like when, when you have the silence, listen to that part of yourself yeah. because it's there and you can't ignore it. So then you try to ignore it. But, um, and that's the only advice I can give because that's what leads me and what guides me is that, yeah. little, that little me in there going... Yeah, it's that intuition. And, you know, the less... I didn't get to ask you this, but do you have a faith, uh, you know, that you live by? Is there... You know, do you pray in those difficult moments? Um, I call it channeling, which I guess was is prayer, you know, in a way, before it was called prayer. But, yeah, I do do that kind of focusing, positive, mental, whatever it's called. I've made it up. But I... I, um, Yeah, I go into that zone. And I also, like see things I, I I see things I see things <laughs> but if you can see yourself yeah. doing things that's what I do I go into my little quiet zone and um when I say quiet zone sometimes I blare music so loud that I am do in you? the song oh, it's usually right. just about you know it's so noisy um and see myself doing things watch myself carrying out things and that's that helps yeah Sometimes I used to learn dance routines that way. I'd go to bed and I would do them all in my head and I would know them better the next day. So wow. in a way, I suppose I'm doing the same thing with, with life. Yeah. Well, it's, it's you know, we, we all have something different that allows us to, to um, think more clearly, yeah. right? And yeah. find answers. And uh, I'm so appreciative of you being so open Thank about you. your life and your story and for allowing me to come into this beautiful space and sit with you. In my special room. In your special <laughs> room. We're in front of the fireplace. I wish people could see it. And we're on the water. I went down and took a quick picture before I came oh, in lovely. because I was early. Um, but, but thank you so thank much, you. Cecilia. I, I really appreciate I really your time. It. Thank you very much. Thank you. There are 365 days to schedule a mammogram. Today is as good as any. Holy Redeemer Breast Care makes it easy. We offer the latest technology like 3D mammography and automated breast ultrasound that help find cancers in dense breast tissue. Plus our same day readings mean same day peace of mind. Make today the day you schedule a mammogram. It's easy to request an appointment online at holyredeemer.com mammogram. Since 1858, Mount St. Joseph Academy has been educating girls to be leaders, founders, and independent thinkers. Students are taught to be collaborative, courageous, compassionate, confident, and spiritual. 
In this student-centered environment, the young women are transformed by recognizing their own potential and are encouraged to use it to make a difference in the world. To learn more about Mount St. Joseph Academy, go to www.msjacad.org or call 215-233-3177. That's msjacad.org or 215-233-3177. I'm Jocelyn Ewart, founding principal of Entrust Financial in Wayne, Pennsylvania, and it is my pleasure to share financial tips with you during my monthly segment on Women to Watch. I hope you are a regular listener like I am and that you are finding the personal finance tips I provide helpful. Some of the topics we have discussed so far this year are how to get organized, how to help your children learn good money habits, how to create that all-important travel budget, and what steps are needed as you prepare for retirement. Now I have truly exciting news for you, news you can share with your family and friends. As a veteran certified financial planner professional, I just published my first book, Balancing Act, Wealth Management Straight Talk for Women. It is filled with inspiring real case studies to help you and other women move past fear, build confidence, and make the right decisions without financial concerns. Just go to Amazon.com to purchase your copy. And please, write a review for Balancing Act Wealth Management Straight Talk for Women. I look forward to reading it. So that's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch. Thank you so much for tuning in. And please be sure to check out our website at womentowatch.net. That's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. And be sure to follow us on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages to keep up with all things Women to Watch. That's it, everyone. Have a great week. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.